everyone, welcome to episode 15 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast with me, your host, Alex Murray. So this week, we'll do the usual wrap-up of security updates and fixes and the various vulnerabilities that were involved in those. And we're also going to have a bit of a talk uh, related to some viewer feedback or listener feedback, should I say, uh, about uh, how to enable uh, automatic security updates and to make sure that you've always got the latest updates installed and uh, your Ubuntu installation is as secure as possible. Okay, so let's get started. So this week, uh, we're looking at 29 different CVEs that were addressed by the team. Uh, The first one is uh, four for Perl. And these were for precise extended security maintenance, trusty, xenial, bionic, and cosmic. It looks like someone's been fuzzing the regular expression engine in Perl uh, and using Valgren to detect memory errors because there's a couple different uh, heap-based buffer overflows that they've found here. Uh, in one, uh, essentially it relates to how regexes are parsed and then used, so they parse it to check that it's valid and then they go and execute it. But the problem is that if there were errors found in the parsing, there are a couple of different cases where it wouldn't error out and it would go and get used with those errors still present and we would get memory errors as a result. And so in this case, a couple different, like I said, heap-based buffer overflows. The usual things you could get as a result from this is things like a crash due to a denial, uh, you get a denial of service due to a crash because you're reading outside of valid memory areas. Uh, or if you can control the input to that buffer, which in this case you probably can because you're feeding a regular expression into it, uh, you may be able to get code execution. Uh, so those have both been fixed. And then there's also another one here where we've got a heap overflow that's then used for memory allocation due to uh, where environment variables are handled essentially where it would take the length of the environment variable and its value to be used, uh, allocate a buffer to store them, but because you're using those two values together, that may then overflow the size of an integer as a length value. So then you get a really small number that gets allocated in a number of bytes, but then you try and copy in your really big value into that and you go way over the end of the buffer and hilarity ensues again in this case because the, uh, the attacker can control the input to that Uh, It's likely uh, possible code execution as a result, but they've all been fixed. Okay, we've got our usual update for the Linux kernel. So we've got six different CVEs here that have been addressed uh, for Cosmic and two of them for Bionic and Xenial, and I will point those out as we go along. So the first one is uh, something that we covered uh, back in episode 14 which was uh, an interaction between OverlayFS and user namespaces, where essentially you could read the names of files that were not owned by you, which normally you can't, but because you're mounting an OverlayFS inside a user namespace, uh, you were able to do this. So that's now been fixed for Bionic and Xenial. The other one that is Bionic and Xenial specific is one that was covered by, uh, or that was discovered by Jan Horn. In this case, uh, it's the use of nested username spaces with more than five user ID or group ID mappings. And the idea is when you create a username space, the whole, the whole point of it is so that you can then map different user IDs inside that namespace uh, to, to different ones that they don't actually have. So in, the, in normal cases, you might want to run a process as root within that namespace. So you would map, uh, say, your normal user ID to root within the namespace so that it could do root-like things, but only inside that controlled namespace. Uh, the problem was that if you had more than five of these, the kernel would get confused about which, uh, essentially which one it was checking against when it would look at files outside the namespace. So you would inadvertently be able to, say, access a file that you don't normally have user access to outside the namespace. And so Yarn had demonstrated this with a proof of concept about a read, etc. password, 
uh, through a user namespace. So that's been fixed. Uh, there's a couple more here as well that uh, Yarn has, uh, has found as well. The first one is due to the memory map system call. And this is used normally to expand or shrink memory mappings that have previously been set up. And the problem was that it didn't flush the translation look aside buffers. So this is what's used to essentially store the page cache. And uh, what would happen then is so various pages may get left within the page cache for a short period of time uh, after the system call completed. And then you would have essentially a race condition or a window of time where you might be able to access those pages still. And because the pages may not be owned by you or maybe they aren't actually valid, uh, in the first case, you would get an information disclosure because you'd be able to read memory that you don't have access to, or in the second case, because they're not valid anymore, uh, the kernel would oops and you'd get a crash. So it's an of service. So that's been fixed. Uh, the other one that Jan has, uh, has got for us here as well was actually uh, something related to some previous work that he'd done for the Berkeley Packet Filter Verifier. So Berkeley Packet Filter uh, is used often in things like um, packet filtering. Uh, like network packet filtering so that you can write short little pieces of code essentially that uh, determine um, or what to do when certain packets are received so you can process them. It's now being used for things like tracing and all other kinds of bits. So because of that, there is now a verifier for the Berkeley packet filter to make sure that the essentially the code you're writing in your, in your uh, BPF program isn't doing anything that it shouldn't do. And so Jan back in 2017 had found a vulnerability there that, had, that then he had fixed. Uh, but this unfortunately introduced a new vulnerability that would allow BPF programs to access memory that uh, is outside of the bounds that they normally can because it was incorrectly cal calculating the, uh, the memory bounds. So that's been fixed as well. The other one that's been fixed too was a uh, vulnerability in ProcFS where the kernel stack might be able to be dumped for uh, various processes that you don't actually have access to. So that's been fixed as well. The last one I want to talk about, uh, in specific to the kernel, is a fix for our Cosmic Kernel 1810, where unfortunately uh, kernel modules that are signed in a secure boot installation were not being properly verified. So this would mean that uh, you could have modules installed and secure boot enabled, and those modules are either not signed or they are signed but with the wrong key, or the signature is invalid for some other reason and they would still get loaded. Uh, so yeah, not, not a great uh, bug to have. Uh, but this was due to a couple different problems. So Ubuntu is using uh, the secure boot lockdown patch set that has been floating around upstream, which essentially is used so that when you're doing secure boot, you then lock down various functions of the kernel to make sure that you can't circumvent secure boot. Uh, that is to say, you can't say execute a kernel image that is untrusted, or you can't say in this case, load kernel modules that are untrusted because then you are uh, basically breaking the secure boot model and you're now doing things that are untrusted but from your trusted environment. So the problem was that we were running this patch set and part of that is to try and use IMA, uh, the integrity subsystem, for doing uh, signature checking. And we had enabled this option but we had not unfortunately included the policy to make sure that this was enforced. So IMA would do the uh, module uh, signature checks but then we would not enforce the policy that made sure that those modules wouldn't be loaded if the checks didn't pass. Uh, a second problem that was then related to this was that we weren't including the secondary kernel keyring in the kernel's uh, trusted list of keys. So this keyring is where we store the key from uh, that we get from UEFI, uh, the machine operator key that gets passed into the kernel via shim. 
and stored in the secondary key ring. And this key is what is used to sign the modules that are signed or used by DKMS. So what would mean was ordinarily the DKMS modules shouldn't actually be trusted and they wouldn't ordinarily get loaded. However, due to our first bug, they were getting loaded and they were getting used. So uh, to an end user system, everything was working as it should be, but we had two different bugs here. Uh, so those have now both been fixed. And that takes it to the end of the kernel updates. We've got some updates here for the Poplar package, uh, the library used for PDF rendering. Uh, the first one is a null pointer dereference. If your PDF referenced an embedded file that didn't actually exist, We've also got a couple similar ones here for the PDF detach utility, uh, which is a command line utility where you can extract the files that are embedded within PDF files. Uh, the first one is an out of bounds read if the file names were, uh, were not actually present. And the second one is a null point of reference if the file names are not valid. Uh, so yeah, all pretty similar. Uh, and we also had a couple fixes for a possible infinite recursion. So you could get a denial of services as a result or a uh, the chance to trigger an assertion and therefore an abort and again, a denial of service. So they've all been fixed. Uh, similarly, we've got some updates for libraw, the uh, raw photo processing package. Uh, so again, similar sorts of bugs that we just talked about for Poplar. Again, both these libraries are written in C, so they have lots of similar sorts of uh, issues. Uh, we've got a couple of different out-of-bounds reads uh, that would result in a crash denial of service. Got a null pointer dereference. We've got a couple of different integer overflows. Uh, one of these would lead to an infinite loop, so you'd get a denial of service. And the other one would potentially be to a divide by zero, so you'd get an exception and a crash. And finally, we've got a heap-based buffer overflow. So in this case, uh, again, being a heap-based buffer overflow, your input is usually from, say, this image file. So it's attacker-controlled, so they can essentially inject uh, data past the end of the buffer, so possible code execution, but uh, probably low probability on that one. So we've got an, an update here for Spam Assassin. If you are running precise extended security maintenance, you now have the latest version of Spam Assassin, uh, 342, I think. Uh, so back in episode 11, I talked about how we had updated Spam Assassin for Trusty Xenial and Bionic, uh, and it's also in Cosmic and the development version Disco. Uh, but this has now been backported for precise extended security maintenance as well. So you now have the latest Spam Assassin with all the latest uh, vulnerability fixes, plus all the new features as well. Okay, we've got a couple different fixes here for WAVPAC. Uh, we've got an infinite loop if your WAV file specified a sample rate of zero. Uh, and we've also got an out-of-bounds read for a heap-allocated buffer. So uh, just the usual uh, crash due to trying to access memory that is not within your memory segment. Okay, we've got some updates here for OpenSSL. Uh, the first one is Port Smash. So back in episode 11, I talked about what was purported to be the latest Intel CPU side channel vulnerability, which was dubbed Port Smash. And this was due to essentially timing differences from uh, execution port contention on the CPU. So you have two different threads that are trying to both use uh, essentially the same uh, hyperthread in this case, and they are contending for that and they can each measure uh, how much time the other one is using. And as a result, uh, you can infer in this case, because OpenSSL, it's um, instructions that it would execute were different based on what the value of the secret key was. So you could therefore infer what the secret key was based on how long it would take to execute or, or how much contention there was across the uh, execution port of the CPU. 
So that's been fixed. And we've also fixed a couple of different timing side channels in the ECDSA and the DSA signature algorithms. So again, uh, the kind of thing where the uh, amount of time to execute depends on the value of the secret key. So yeah, these have now been fixed as well. So the last thing we had to talk about is a regression in the GhostScript package. So I've mentioned GhostScript in probably four or five different episodes of this podcast already in the last six months. Uh, and the most recent one, unfortunately, introduced some regressions. So uh, these regressions came from upstream. Uh, they were for the latest vulnerability fixes. But in this case, we would get some regressions where GhostScript would actually crash if you were trying to use the first page or the last page options to it. And these are the kind of things that are used often by, say, ImageMagick or other uh, utilities that are using GhostScript to do conversions. Uh, but that's now been fixed, so we've backported those upstream patches. Okay, that takes us to the end of the usual updates of uh, CVEs and that kind of thing. All right, the other thing I wanted to talk about in this episode is uh, automated upgrades. So we had some community feedback and some questions. Essentially, how do I make sure that I am running the latest security updates? You know, each episode, uh, you mention what all the updates are, but how can I make sure that I'm running them? Okay, and this was from a user uh, running Ubuntu 16.04 Xenial, but uh, it applies as well to our other releases. So the main way you can do this is to regularly, obviously, install software updates. The security software updates are released into the security pocket of the archive, and this is automatically enabled on all systems. So you may see about every week, uh, Update Manager, uh, the GUI program will pop up uh, on your desktop telling you you've got updates to install. So you can do that. Uh, but that unfortunately means you'll only get your updates about every week. You won't get them as soon as they are available. So uh, what you can do is you can enable the automated upgrades package or the unattended upgrades package, should I say, is its proper name. And I mention this usually at the end of each episode because it's kind of one of the crucial pieces to make sure that your system is as hardened as it can be out of the box. And nowadays, this is enabled automatically for uh, Ubuntu 18.04 Bionic and the newer releases as well. But if you are running Xenial or one of the older ones, uh, you will need to enable this uh, manually yourself. And it's a pretty simple process. You simply just need to install the unattended upgrades package and then configure it to run because it isn't configured out of the box. So uh, you install it by sudo apt install unattended upgrades, and then you configure it like you do any other uh, Debian package with the dpackage reconfigure command. So then you run sudo dpackage reconfigure unattended upgrades, and it will ask you, do you want to enable it? And you pick yes, and then it will say essentially what sources do you want to use? And you just uh, press okay to select these default sources that it has specified there. So you can configure the unattended upgrades package to install updates from various sources. But in this case, you want to just install the security ones. So you select that default value. And then what that means is that unattended upgrades is configured, it's installed, it's running. And so every day it will download the latest security updates and it will automatically install them in the background. So you will have your latest packages installed every day. Uh, and that will basically keep you up to date. However, uh, there are some sorts of deployments where this uh, maybe isn't enough. Perhaps you're running a server and you can't uh, reboot it very often due to uptime uh, considerations, that kind of thing. And so what you can do in those cases is you can enable or you can install the canonical live patch system. And what this is, is it's a system for delivering uh, kernel updates that get installed at runtime and essentially bot patched into the kernel. And so at runtime, you essentially get new code that is not vulnerable inserted into your kernel. Uh, this therefore is useful to patch 
various sorts of kernel things. So not all of our kernel updates get a corresponding live patch, but a lot of them do. So this is obviously quite useful if you can't uh, reboot very often. So yeah, those are the main two things you can do to make sure that your Ubuntu system has the latest updates installed and, uh, and they're being run. Okay, that takes us to the end of this week's episode. As usual, if you would like to get in contact, you can email us at security at ubuntu.com. You can also find the team hanging out in the Ubuntu Hardened channel on the Freenode IRC network. And yeah, come along, say good day and have a chat to us anything Ubuntu security related or otherwise would be great to talk to you. Or you can reach us on Twitter if that's your thing at Ubuntu underscore sec. So uh, yeah, as I said, that takes us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, as usual, remember, keep calm and enable automated upgrades and I'll speak to you in another week. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.